There's mummies and dummies and ghosts that bark. There's goblins and ghoulies that wait in the dark. If you wish to wet your pants with fright, listen to Gaxi on Goosebumps tonight. I'm gonna come. Boo, my dudes, and welcome back to Gatsy on Goosebumps, the only show in which I read and review every single Goosebumps book from R.L. Stein's original series. Now, many of you may know England as the setting for the Harry Potter films, but did you know that England is actually a place? And I am speaking today with a very special guest from Dear Old Blighty, and that is Ollie. How are you, Ollie? I'm well, I'm well. How how are you at this time in the morning? Oh, fantastic. You know, I've had my I've had my instant coffee and you know, we're talking goosebumps, so it always always perks me up to have a few chills there. You're enjoying yourself over in over in uh, merry old England right now? Uh, yes, it's it's very merry and, and old. <laughs> yeah, he is quite old, I've heard. Did you recently move, Ollie? I think I follow on your social medias that you that you moved. I did. So I now live in Greenwich in London. So I've always lived on the periphery of London, but now I'm uh, now I'm I'm in it. Fantastic. What was the hardest or mo- most difficult thing physically to move from one location to another? Well, the, the Goosebumps books, of course. <laughs> and of course, you've got to be very, very careful with them because they are collector's editions. Absolutely. So before we talk Goosebumps, tell us a bit about yourself, Ollie. Who are you? What do you do when you're not moving houses and reading Goosebumps? Yeah, so I, um, I'm the host of a history podcast, The History Emporium and Pals, which is the longest name ever. I did not <laughs> think that through. But yeah, I, I work in a palace. I, I talk history uh, all day, every day, which is amazing. And in my spare time, I read Goosebumps books and anything horror related. My arms will prove that I'm, I'm covered in tattoos of, of spooky things all the way up my arms. So yeah, you can. Uh, it's, it's Halloween every day in my life. Do you have a favourite Steve? Stephen King story. Uh, it, it depends what mood I'm in. The, the one I've I've read most recently yeah. is uh, Pet Cemetery. So okay, just because that's fresh in my mind, I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna say that one. I prefer, or I don't prefer. I've read a lot of his short stories, which I absolutely adore. But I need to get more into his his full length novels because, well, I mean they are huge. <laughs> and I've heard it's one of those things because he produces so much. Some of it is. It's hit and miss. Is that a fair assessment mm. of Stephen King? Absolutely. I think if you if you churn these things out, the quality sometimes goes somewhere along the line. So yeah, I, I would say that's fair. Well, I have found that with a different master of horror, Arl Stein, that that does happen as well. I know you, Ollie. Well, I feel like I know you. I do know you. <laughs> in, in the in the 21st century, if you know if you follow someone on Instagram for long enough, you know them. My elder brother, who uh, also hosts a history podcast, he told me he was collaborating with this guy who does another history podcast. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then he's like, oh yeah, he reads a lot of Goosebumps books. I'm like, that is a bizarre coincidence that there are <laughs> two people in this family who share an interest with you, completely different, that can then be used as a as podcast content so I wanted to know what was your experience with Goosebumps growing up did you always love them and I guess more generally what was the the presence of Goosebumps in the UK so I'm guessing that I'm slightly older than you so I'm 34 next week oh um Yes. Um, how I made it to this age, I have no idea. But al- <laughs> alas, I'm here. Uh, and I, I remember when we were kids at school, we used to get, um, it was like a book van that would come around every 
I don't know, every couple of months. And you'd get like a, a brochure, like a leaflet, like a teaser. And then all these Goosebumps books appeared. And I was always interested in the macabre. Um, mm. I, I remember uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas coming out and all my friends being like, oh, that's weird. And I was like, I want to go see it now. <laughs> so um, anything with with a skull on it or um, something uh, horror-like, I was instantly drawn to um and the covers over here are slightly different i believe to the yeah. ones in australia so so ours uh they're, they're kind of like a 3d effect mm. so they're bumpy yeah so like goosebumps yeah and that's kind of what appealed to me it was just like it was like this 3d thing that you could hold in your hand that was just a bit other and yeah that's what did it for me and then the tv series came yeah out alongside of that and do you know what i mean i was actually watching some last night in prep for this uh, yeah. this podcast yeah, and what, it, what are your thoughts on, on what are your thoughts on how well the series the tv series hands up holds up do you know what like to be honest Mm. It's very 90s. It's mm. of its time period. Um, even the, the 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 way that it's shot, like TVs these these days are like rectangular, aren't they? But it's yes. like in a, in a square shot, so half of the screen's missing. Yeah, everyone's names are a bit questionable, like Topanga and <laughs> all these very 90s American names. But yeah. apart from that, like I love a bit of 90s nostalgia. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, I unironically love the TV series. I hope in this podcast I'll get to review some of that as well. I, I will, even if I'm I'm having friends over for a drink, I just love having it on background. And it's gotten to the point where people have requested something else on in the background because apparently watching 90s children's horror is maybe not their idea of a of a party environment, but that's just... Did, just, you, did you have um, Are You Afraid of the Dark as well? Yeah. Um, I was vaguely aware of that. That never had sort of the same, I guess, reach. I, I, I knew it was a thing. I think it was geared maybe towards a, a few years older, you know, maybe your your mm. 14s and 15s rather than your 11s and 12s. But yeah. I am familiar with that, and I have sort of watched some of that in my later years. Oh, it's e- easy you need to, come to. By. you need to, because it's, for, for me, Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark kind of ran alongside each other. Our episode I remember the strongest. I don't know how familiar you are with Are You Afraid of the Dark, but I think it's called The Tale of Laughing in the Dark, where they steal a nose from a clown in a fun house and, like, the clown haunts them. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. And they have to go back <laughs> and um, give, the, give the nose back. Yeah. And uh, they have to choose a door in this fun house. Yeah. And then they go through the... Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I definitely need to, um, to, to revisit that. So R.L. Stein did a, a later version of, I think it was called The Horror Hour. It was like around the... Um, uh, the Haunting uh, Hour. The, the Haunting Hour, that's it. Yeah. So, so when Series 2000 came out, it was kind of around the same time. Mm-hmm. But I was a bit old then when all that came out. So I'd kind of moved on to smoking behind the bike sheds and all that jazz. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of fell fell by the wayside for me. But... Um, yeah, as an adult, I've watched it, and actually, it's quite good. It, it's that it's that delicate line of you you don't expect it to to truly scare you because it's aimed for a younger audience. You're not gonna you know have nightmares from it at this age. But I think it is a medium you can still get some effective, like a lot of fun stories out of the 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 children's horror series. That's what it is, isn't it? It's fun. 
but the the UK fans of Goosebumps have same the same fondness for their art style as we do. The Australian covers are done by Tim Jacobus, who did the American ones as well. And I just thought because of uh, the the, cult, the shared cultural history of the US and Australia and the UK, particularly when it comes to invading Middle Eastern countries, I thought maybe that was enough to, <laughs> to, to, have, to have the same covers. But yeah, it's a totally different vibe, the UK mm. covers. It's sort of, it's like a, got like a bright, colourful background and then in the centre emerging out of this sort of almost liquid is 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 a is a central picture and that's sort of the format i've done my research Mm. that continues up until i think 33 in the series and then they just canned the uk artist and got the tim jacobus covers in i think as goosebumps kind of lost its popularity it was massive at first and Mm. i think as that generation that first loved it grew older it kind of didn't skip down to the next. So I think that's when they decided not to invest as much money. Yeah, you're probably right. They got well, they, we've got this artwork from overseas, just pay to use that one instead. But it, mm. it is, I'm, it is, it is a shame because it, it sort of loses, I guess, if you look at all the the international covers, most country or a lot of countries have their own separate distinct art styles. And they're so mm. unique and there's such a I don't know, it says something about what that culture finds scary or horrifying in the way that their goosebumps covers there's definitely a university thesis there somewhere but i i like that they have uh unique covers for for different countries some of them are hit and some of them are are very very strange indeed but they're all very absolutely i mean i'm holding one in my hand as you speak so say cheese and die is the one that i'm holding Mm -hmm. and um yeah you're, you're right it's just that bright orange background with the the images sort of coming out of the goo. But yeah, it's definitely appealing. They say don't judge a book by its cover, but, but let's be honest, we all do. Oh, and when <laughs> and when you're a kid and you've got a library or a book fair like you did of so many different choices, you see these bright, colourful, strange covers. So, so many times I've heard from people, oh yeah, what, what got me hooked on Goosebumps was seeing these these bright original covers. So I, it definitely plays a huge part in, mm, in in getting you to pick it up. So yeah, do you remember growing up, was there a Goosebumps book you always loved or, or impacted you or did you just go through all of them and sort of... So A Night in Terror Tower mm. was up there for me. Mm. And I think it's because as a kid, being a history buff as well, the Tower of London has always been this sort of iconic building to me even even to this day it's my it's my favorite piece of architecture in the whole of the world wow. and i've traveled and i've traveled quite a lot i've been lucky enough too but mm. still i come back and i'm just like that has been there since 1066 and i love it so i think that's why i get so like linked up with a night in terror tower because I feel like it's it's probably based. <laughs> yeah, on the, the princes in the tower, right? Yeah, and um, I remember getting the, the VHS for Christmas as well. So I got oh, the yeah. book of the VHS at the same time, and I just thought it was the shit. Basically, I thought it was amazing, and I still do, to be honest. Not not every Goosebumps episode got a VHS copy in in Australia. There was about five or six of like the the really premier ones. That yeah. got a release, and Night and Terror Tower was one of them. And I remember it was as a kid thinking, "Oh my goodness, they're they're trapped in this in this medieval castle." 
And then you look at it when you're older with a critical eye and you realize that <laughs> it's shot in like a manor or like a, a lobby of like a, a really nice house. It's not exactly a medieval yeah. tower. But as a kid, you, you don't realize that at all. Uh, so you definitely like the history aspect of that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. But there's also like more modern ones that I like. So the haunted school is that what it's called? Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely one. Yeah, yeah. So so that was a bit later on, and I I, I really enjoyed that because obviously I, I I guess it's the same in Australia, but we mm. sort of our, our pop culture is taken from the US. Yeah. So we were brought up watching like TV programs with schools mm. that were based. Like I mean, our schools were completely different. We didn't have the massive hallways with lockers down yeah, inside of them, yeah. and um, there weren't sport teams. Well, there were, but no one cared. <laughs> um, <laughs> like no one, no one went to the um, the football rally every Friday night. You know yeah, I mean? like there'd be like one or two mum and mums and dads like watching someone play football in the mud here, yeah. rather than uh, the yeah, whole school it, turning out. So it sort of bled from from that, I guess, which is why I enjoyed it so much i i do enjoy the haunted school as well a lot of creepy moments in that one and i know what you mean school seems so adult in u.s pop culture it really does seem like wow this is really cool like completely unrelatable for for someone in the growing up in australia as i did i understand the appeal did you ever read or get into the give yourself goosebumps the choose your own adventure editions of the books see i don't recall these being a thing so they must have been but i mm. just don't remember reading them i was actually speaking to my friend Haley, who she's english but she was brought up in america mm -hmm. and she was talking to me about the choose your own and i was just like, i've never heard of these so i don't mm. know if it just didn't make it here or it wasn't as big but yeah i'm excited well are you ready to uh give yourself goosebumps now ollie absolutely Fantastic. Well, I think you're going to like the book I've picked for you because it is, give yourself goosebumps, number nine, The Knight in Screaming Armor. Now you heard that right. That's not shining armor. That's screaming armor. This is not your average knight we're talking about. Uh, I'll read you the, uh, the blurb on the back, if I may. Please do. It was a knight to dismember. I quite like that. Your cousins, Kip and Abby, have come <laughs> to visit you from jolly old England. And guess what they bought with them? Two huge crates, each containing a suit of armor and a curse. But it doesn't matter, because you're dying to see what's inside. If you open the crate marked Evil Knight, you will be hypnotized by the knight's sparkling medallion and will have to face an ugly sorceress. If you open the Good Knight crate, you'll discover a room full of mannequin heads that talk. Before you know it, you've lost your head. Can you pull yourself together before time runs out? The choice is yours in this scary Goosebumps adventure that's packed with over 20 super spooky endings. So generally, how these work, as I'm sure you can devise, there's, as it says, 20 endings. Generally, they divide into three categories. There's endings where you die, there's endings where you survive, but it's not very good, and there's endings where you survive and it's good. So we will try and be aiming for a good ending, but hey, it's an adventure. I don't know how this is going to go. You could end up, you know, dismembered or something. We'll see how we begin. Are you ready to give yourself Gatsy? Totally ready. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. You're, I just read the first line. You're going to absolutely, as an Englishman, you're going to relate to this entirely. <clears throat> Does it start with Brexit? <laughs> 
not that we're bitter or anything. We're still very, <laughs> no, no. Very sore. No, it starts off with dad explaining that all that money could have actually gone to the uh, NHS for some reason. <laughs> pip, pip, ta ta, jolly good. <laughs> Tally ho and all that rot, your dad exclaims. You must feel right at home now, Ollie, hearing that. I mean, it must be. He doesn't get more English than that. That's that's how we talk every day. <laughs> dad, you plead, please. So sorry, he apologises in his best British accent. We just want your cousins to feel quite at home, don't we? It's not every day we have visitors from England. It's been over a year since we've seen them. Jolly good, ta-ta, pip-pip. Your dad says again, yes, your mum adds, your uncle Will is giving lectures at several important American museums. So Kip and Abby will be staying with us for a whole week. Isn't that terrific? You only half agree. Kip Saxton is your age. Sometimes he complains too much, but mostly he's a pretty cool kid. His 15 year old sister is another story. Abby acts like she's queen of the world, you say. She can be a royal pain. Oh, you'll have fun, your dad assures you. Uncle Will says Kip and Abby are bringing a big surprise with them. A surprise, you ask? What surprise? Before your dad can say another word about the surprise, the doorbell rings. They're here, your mum calls from the front hall. She opens the door as the airport shuttle van pulls away. Your cousins are standing in the doorway. You haven't changed a bit, your mum declares as she hugs Abby and Kip. I hope that's not true, you mutter. Your tall, blonde cousin is already staring past you and into the mirror behind you. Hi you manage to say to her. Abby primps her long golden curls before she answers. Oh, hi, she says as she pats her hair about a hundred times. Still the same old Abby, you have to admit. Forget her, someone says laughing. It's Kip. Can you give me a hand? We've got more stuff to bring in. Your sandy-haired cousin moves back out onto the front step and points to two huge wooden crates. The crates are taller than your dad. What the, you start to say. Artifacts, your dad chimes in. Uncle Will is coming here to lecture at the Medieval Museum downtown. Not a very professional name for a museum, the Medieval Museum, but I guess it does what it says on the tin. Ye old Medieval. <laughs> Although I, ye, ye is not technically a word. Just put that out there. It's the... This is why we got you on, because we're learning as we, as we get scared. I appreciate that. I told him we'd store some exhibits here until he arrives, but I never expected anything this big. These crates will have to go into the garage. What's in the crates anyway? You ask Pip. Two suits of armor, Kip says. That's what's in the crates. They're really old. From the 15th century, we call one of them the Evil Knight. It's been with the Saxton family forever. The great suit was Sir Edmund Saxton's. He's our great, great, great... Well, you get the picture. The crates are on wheels. You, Kip, Abby, and your dad pull them down the driveway to the garage behind your house. You notice a label on one of the crates. Hey, look at this, you cry. You read the label aloud. Beware this dark and evil night, cursed still from long ago. Until a good knight fights for right, this night brings misery and woe. Hmm. That's kind of spooky, you add. No, don't read that out loud, Kip cautions too late. It's an evil curse on the whole Saxton family. A curse, you laugh. You don't believe in curses, do you? Sure I do. And you should, if you know what's good for you, Kip whispers. I guess you've never heard the tale. The tale? What tale? The legend of the curse of the knight in screaming armor, Kip answers. Years ago, an evil sorceress got angry at the king's best knight, Sir Edmund Saxton. You know, our ancestor? He killed her favorite dragon or something. Anyway, she put a curse on him. 
the curse of the knight in screaming armor. She made a special suit of armor and sent it to him as a gift. The armor was haunted. It held the spirit of an evil knight. That night, horrible screams and cries were heard from Saxton Castle. In the morning, Sir Edmund and all of his family had been killed. Kip's eyes grew wide as he goes on. All of his family were dead except one son. He had been out hunting. Anyway, he kept the armor. He was too scared to throw it away. The four of you arrive at the garage door, and your dad reaches down to open the door. This is that armor. Family legend has it that one day it will wake up again, thirsty for Saxton blood. Then it will destroy all that is good, unless a brave and noble Saxton can defeat it. It has to be a member of the Saxton family. Ha, you laugh. I'm related to you, so I'm a Saxton. What's an evil knight suit of armor going to do to me? You can just forget this, that screaming armor story, Abby snaps before Kip gets a chance to answer you. It's totally stupid and not even true. But long after everyone has gone to sleep, you lie awake thinking about the crate in your garage. Hours later, you've just dozed off when you're awakened by a chilling scream, and it's coming from the garage. The curse, you gasp. Ollie, if you try to ignore the scream, turn to page 13. If you investigate the chilling shriek, turn to page 19. 19, definitely. Let's investigate. Scream! Another shriek fills the night. Kip and Addie. Abby are as wide awake as you are. The piercing scream draws the three of you together at your bedside. You grab each of your cousins by the hand. We have to go to the garage and investigate, you declare. We have to find out what's going on there. Another scream pierces the air. Abby forgets how much cooler than you she is for a moment and clutches one of your arms. Kip grabs your other one. You grab a flashlight from your desk and make your way out into the night. You pull your cousins along with you. Eventually, you come to the garage door. You pause a moment and listen to the screams. Well, here goes, you say. You reach down, grab the handle, and lift it open. The garage door swings up and out of your way. Dark was never as dark as this. Monsters seem to lurk in every corner. Familiar forms look strange. The beam of your flashlight cuts past frightful shadowy figures to the two crates. They stand like tombstones in the middle of the garage, except that one of them is vibrating, shaking back and forth. The light reflects off a label on one of the crates, the one with the curse on it. Then you notice it, another handwritten label near the top of each crate. One says, evil night. The other says, good night. Which one should we open, you say nervously. Neither, Kip replies. He seems terrified. Maybe a little too terrified. You're not sure you buy all this curse stuff. Maybe it's all a big trick. Kip and Abby could have gotten someone to shout and shake the crate around. Who's really in that evil night crate anyway, you wonder. Then again, those screams do sound pretty spooky. Maybe you should play it safe and open the crate marked goodnight. A suit of armor could come in handy if there is some crazy curse. Ollie, if you open the crate marked goodnight, turn to page 33. If you open the crate marked evil night, turn to page 49. 49, definitely. Let's investigate the evil night. Okay, okay. The fun's over, you declare. You move over to the crate marked Evil Knight and start to loosen the straps holding it shut. It's still shaking a little, but the screaming has died down to a faint moan. You really had me going there for a minute, you continue. Those screams were pretty scary. All that moaning and shaking. Well, you guys are good. Kip and Abby look as if they don't know what you're talking about, but you know better. Who did you get to help you with this little prank anyway? My dad, you ask. Your dad is just the sort of goofball to go in for something like this. You fumble with the leather straps, but you finally get them undone. And by now you're chuckling to yourself. 
It was a really good prank, complete with these oversized crates. Still, you can't believe you fell for it. Speaking of falling, that's what the front door to the crate does next. It's also what your lower jaw does. It falls open. You try to scream, but all that comes out is a little whimper. There, in front of you, about a foot from your face, you stare into the laser-light eyes of the knight in a screaming armor. The evil knight's head is a steaming hunk of black metal. A sparkling medallion hangs around his neck. Something as bad as medallion holds your gaze. You can't stop looking at it. With you standing there helpless before him, the evil knight raises his heavy sword and... and... he brings it down and slashes open the back of the crate behind him. The wood shatters like ice. In the land of Saxtons, you shall be destroyed. His voice booms all over. You shiver. He glances back at you and then disappears through the new opening. You're not sure how long you stand there in shock. The next thing you know, Abby and Kip are standing next to you. Did you see that? You stammer. Yeah, no big deal. Abby tries to sound cool. Look, Kip exclaims. This hole in the back of the crate. There are hills in it. Yeah, right. What's that mean? Abby huffs. But he's right. You peer through the hole. You see emerald green hills and a pale blue sky. You feel wind against your face. You feel drawn to the scene, like you were to the medallion. We'd better go through, you say, without taking your eyes off the scene before you. If not, we'll never be able to break this curse thing. You push aside the splinters and step through. Kip and Abby follow you through the hole in the back of the crate. When all three of you are through, something slams shut behind you. You turn to look, and the crate has disappeared. All you see around you are hills. Soft green rolling hills. It's so beautiful, you say. It's a whole new world. You rub your eyes, but it doesn't go away. It's our world, Abby exclaims. We're back in England. It's exactly where the evil knight wants us to be, Kip says softly. England. The land of the Saxons. England. Who cares? We're home. Abby says. Don't look so happy, Kip warns. The evil knight wants to destroy us. We may be home for good. Or should I say, for evil? Good one, Kip. You gaze around you, stunned. There's no way to explain what just happened to you. Hundreds of sheep are grazing on a nearby hill. One wild-looking ram glances at you. Your heart jumps. His eyes are glowing, you cry out. Your pulse starts to race. The horned head of the ram morphs into the armored head of the evil knight. He lowers his head and paws the ground. Steam pours through the grill on his helmet. He's gonna ram us, you cry. Run for your lives. Led by the evil knight, the whole herd of sheep stampedes. Terror grips you as the thundering herd bears down on the three of you. You're about to be trampled. The stampede sounds like a sonic boom. You wrap your arms around your head and wait to feel the pain of a hundred little hooves pounding into the grass. So this is... <laughs> so this is... How, it's very scary, all right? I'm finding this last chapter really funny. <laughs> so this is how he plans to destroy us, you think. You open your mouth to scream, but you can't hear anything over the thundering of sheep feet. Suddenly, there's nothing but the sound of your screaming, your own screaming. You peek through your arms. Or the stampeding herd is gone. The hills are gone. All that's left are prickle bushes. You're buried in prickle bushes and they hurt. Ouch, Abby cries. She breaks herself free from the prickly bush. You can't help laughing. Abby's a human pincushion. She has little prickly leaves stuck all over her. Ouch, you and Kip say together as you fall out of the bushes. You find yourselves looking like two porcupines too. You hear giggles and they're not Abby's. You glance over your shoulder and see something you never imagined to see. 
Two miniature men are laughing and rolling on the ground. Each man is about the size of a football. They laugh and smack their knees and point at you. Pixies, Kip cries. Pixies, you say? You've got to be kidding me. The little men disappear for a minute. They resurface in the bushes close by. This way out, one giggles, pointing to the left. No, this way out, says the other, pointing to the right. Which one can you trust? Ollie, should we follow the pixie pointing to the left or the pixie pointing to the right? Mm, left. Left. Let's go to the left, Abby says, pulling thorns out of her arms. There's a cottage down the hill. Maybe we can get help there. Hello, am I the only one who thinks there's something weird going on, you ask? Abby and Kip can't hear you. They're already walking across the windy meadow towards the cottage. Pixies, you mumble to yourself. You take off after Kip and Abby. You don't get far when you hear a deafening rumble. It sounds like an earthquake. You see bits of turf flying in the air. You turn and look behind you to see hedges. Killer hedges. They're growing at an incredible rate. Actually, they're not so much growing as bursting through the earth in jagged lines. Walls of branches and leaves. And it looks as if, yes, they are heading right for you. It's time to start sprinting again. And there's no use screaming about it either. Now's the time to move. Hedges are exploding out of the ground, fully grown. They're spreading towards you with amazing speed. You're no match for them. They burst past you, blocking your path. You try to stop short, but not fast enough to avoid a face full of prickles. Kip and Abby too. You start to run the other way, but you don't get far before you come across another wall of hedges. It doesn't seem to matter which way you turn. Any open path is instantly blocked by a solid wall of bramble bushes. Prickers, pr prickers grab at you as you run past. You shake them off and keep on running. You have to get out of here. The walls around you grow higher and higher, cutting the skies into lines of blue. The three of you race in every direction, but it's no use. You stop for a second to catch your breath. The ground beneath you starts to rumble and shake. Ah, you scream. You can imagine the hedge about to explode to the ground and up through your body. You brace yourself, but then it stops. It's quiet again, except for Kip. We're trapped, he bellows. What do we do now? You stare at the walls of greenery surrounding you. The hedges are too high, you say. We can't climb over them. It looks like a maze, Abby comments. You know, Kip, like they used to have at royal palaces and stuff. I like how Abby had to explain to the American what a maze was, because of course they only have them in England. Sums up uh, the British attitude towards Americans. <laughs> I wonder if there's a way out. We'll either have to find our way out or break through the hedge. We can't stay in here forever, you say. Forever, Kip wails. Knock it off, Kip, you and Abby both cry. So, Ollie, what will it be? If you try and find your way out, turn to page 51. If you try to break through the hedge instead, turn to page 116. I'm going to say find their way out. Let's find your way out of the hedge. Make them work hard. Oh, okay. So, you think you're good at mazes, huh? Try to okay. So this is this is maybe a shortcoming of the digital give yourself gatsy format. Try to get yourself out of this one. Pick up a pencil and try to draw the escape route out of the maze below. Can you do it on your first try? So I'm faced with a little maze on actually this page, and unfortunately, uh, I'm gonna have to uh, try and solve this as your champion to see if I can get you out first try. All right. Do Australians know what mazes are? You know, know, like the ones that we used to have in palaces and stuff. We heard about them, like we've seen them on like the television set, but we've never actually seen one in person. <laughs> I believe I've got a little 
fact, like, if you're stuck in a maze, yeah. If you basically, if you go in and you just follow it round to one side, so just keep following, I yeah. don't know, either the left or the right edge, you'll always end up out again. Just follow it round, keep going on the left hand side. You'll always oh, get out. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing that now, and. Hmm. Okay. Yes. How, did, is this something you picked up in your time as a palace worker? So in the the very small market town that I was brought up in, there used to be a maze on the top mm-hmm. of the hill, and we used to genuinely go to the Who Hill maze every <laughs> every time after school, and uh, we became experts at getting in and out of said maze. So. Well, look, I can confirm I just have completed the maze on page 51 as per your instructions. So your time at the, what was it, the Hoo-Ha maze? What was it? Uh, Who Hill maze. Who Hill maze. It has served you well. So I don't know if anyone ever criticised your life choices, but so far it's it's turned out all right. So we had nothing else to do, Alex. To be honest. <laughs> it, it was the maze or it was this at Goosebumps books. Yeah. <laughs> all right. If you make it through, hooray for you. Face your next challenge on page seventy-five. The hedges are behind you. The green hills are in front of you. There's a warm wind in your face, and something something is coming over those hills. A dark black mist is rolling towards you. It's already halfway to where you're standing. I don't like the look of this, Kip says. The warm wind picks up. Dark clouds gather. Dust whips around in whirlpools. Evil is in the air around you. Look, you remark, sooner or later we're going to have to face this evil knight. That's the only way to break this curse, right? Only a Saxton can defeat him. I prefer later to sooner, Kip starts to answer back. He never finishes his sentence. Scream! The scream of the evil knight announces his arrival. Mm. The evil knight screams mingle with the whistling blasts of hot wind. You can almost feel his evil breath mixed in with the wind. You know he's so close. The dark mist rushes at you. The force of the gale throws the three of you backwards against the hedge. But you don't feel the prickly leaves. You don't land on the ground where you were before. In fact, you don't land at all. We're falling! The three of you cry together. Falling. Falling, falling. Ooh, Ollie. If the chair you're sitting on has a cushion, turn to page 48. If it doesn't have a cushion or you're not sitting on a chair, turn to page 72. What's your current cushion status? So I'm actually uh, sitting on my bed, but I'm yep. holding a cushion. Can, yeah, I think we can count that. Okay. Thump, you land on something soft. It's a body, a human body. Oomph, please get off me this instant. A regal-looking boy... Oh, he's a boy. Oof, please get off me this instant. A regal-looking boy dressed in tights and puffy shorts pushes you, Kim, and Abby off of him. You all stand up and dust yourself off. Who are you? You ask the boy. He looks your age. I'm a page, answers the boy. Page 48 in a class of 144. A page, Abby asks. What's a page? Could you tell us what a page is, Ollie? Um, so you get page boys, mm-hmm. which are um, part of the royal court. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you can be a page boy at a wedding. So it's kind of, it, it's, it stems from being a page boy at court, basically. It was, yeah, just a status. What was the page boy's role in the royal court? To be honest, I don't actually know. Pass, I, I'll Google that one for you. <laughs> that, well, this is the answer that our sign gives. A page, Abby asks, what's a page? We are knights in training, the boy answers proudly. Isn't that a squire? Isn't a squire a knight in training? Do you know what? 
It can be what you want it to be, I guess. (laughs) Look, it's almost as if this book where a range of killer hedges come and chase after you isn't perhaps most concerned with accuracy. I've actually made notes, like key words that have gone through the theme. So first of all, I've got sheep, hooves, hedges, Mm -hmm. page boys. That's Mm. where I am at the moment. That's my picture. That's what happens when I think of uh, England. Um, <laughs> that and maybe, I don't know, colonialism and a double-decker bus. We'll see if those make an appearance. We are knights in training, the boy answers proudly. And we're trying to get away from a knight, you remind Abby. Can you show us the way out of here? Kip asks. Page 48 points to a gate that opens by itself. Oh, I just sort of got it. We're on page 48 and he's a page and it's page 48. That's a little joke R.L. Stein's having, so I appreciate that. Uh, it's page... a joke that no one got apart from him. <laughs> it's a joke that I didn't get to halfway through the freaking page. Page 48 points to a gate that opens itself. That's the way out, he says. It's the Valley of Rocks. Hurry, you order Abby and Kip. The gate is closing. You make it through just as the gate crashes down behind you. You look back. Page 48 is gone. All you see is before you is a night sky and a strange, mysterious valley full of rocks. He's not afraid to, I guess, change up the scenery and the setting almost with every page. We're getting sort of quick changes to the landscape here. You've landed in a valley, but the green hills of a moment ago are long gone. In fact, there isn't a blade of grass as long as the eye can see. It's all rocks, broken up shards of boulders and stones, and it's dark. Pale moon shines up above. Abby tries to move and barely balances on a wobbly platform of stone. She shrieks. This is like an avalanche waiting to happen. Be careful, Kip says. These flat rocks aren't as steady as they look. Yeah, uh, thanks for the tip, Kip, Abby says. I think we noticed. They're right. The rock you're standing on tips and throws you backwards to another flat rock behind you. Whoa, you cry as your new rocky floor seesaws back and forth. You glance down. There are more jagged rocks waiting to catch you below. Next, you look up and something flashes. High on the rocky point of this mountain, something silvery shimmers in the moonlight. It seems to be calling you. What is it? Climb over to page 28. While you're climbing over to page yeah. 28, yeah. Um, a, a page boy yes. or a page is traditionally a young male attendant or servant of someone in court. Okay. So he would maybe bring you some wine or mm. a you know, uh, one of those goosebumps books. Where are you going? Kip asks as you carefully step off your rocking rock and onto his. Look up there, you say. You point to the gleaming object. I have a feeling whatever is up there is something we need. I don't know why, but I have to find out what it is. I'm going up to get it. I'll come with you, Kip volunteers. Stop right there, Abby orders. Don't take another step. You're not leaving me alone. Oh yeah, Abby's afraid of heights, Kip mumbles. I'll go by myself, you declare. You two stay together here. Balancing on all fours, you move up onto the next rock. You feel as if you're climbing on eggshells. One false move and the rock you're on could crumble away. You would tumble all the way to the bottom. You test each rock before you move to it. It's amazing how many of them have jagged edges. Higher and higher you climb. And then you see it. A hand sticking out of the rocks. You peer closely at the hand sticking out of the rocks. It's only made of stone. That's when you notice that the rock you're sitting on has a face. Ah! You yell. The stone face is frozen in an expression of pain. You move to another rock, but as you look around you, all of the broken rocks are shaped like people. Broken pieces of people. Abby! Kip! You cry, but there's no answer. You can't see them from where you are without losing your balance. What if they're turning into stone or something? You think. You call out again, but again, there's no reply. 
What's going on? Maybe they just can't hear you from down below, but maybe you should climb back down and check on them just to be safe. Ollie, do you want to keep climbing for the shimmery object or scramble back down the mountain to help your cousins? I am going to help them. Mm. Sorry, I was just going to say the when you described um, or when R.L. Stein described uh, broken pieces of people. Yes. It just, again, reminded me of Brexit. <laughs> Kip and Abby looked down at the broken trade agreements that their country used to rest <laughs> upon. <laughs> yes. Do you know, I got my new driving licence through the other day and it yeah. used to have, like, the European Union sign yeah. on it, but now they've taken it off. Yeah, hey, but Ollie, Ollie, you get those you get those blue passports back, don't you? Everything's worth it. You know, you've got to look, you've got to look at the Britannia. <laughs> the uh, tell you what, the empire's coming back, mate. This is just foot step one. <laughs> <laughs> Your cousins could be in trouble. Kip and Abby could be turning to stone this very minute. Don't move, you yell down. I mean, do move if you can. I'm coming down to save you. You take one last glance at the shining object. Rock by rock, you backtrack the way you came. It's even harder to move downwards, but there's no time to lose. Mostly you try not to think about what these rocks and boulders used to be. <laughs> you set your foot against what used to be someone's shoulder. It jiggles under your weight, and then it flips up. You tumble headfirst down the rocky slope. Ouch, ouch, itch, ouch, you yelp with each bump. Finally, you land with a crash at your cousin's feet. You lie there among the rocks for a moment. Your head is still spinning from the fall. Are you all right? Abby asks. We saw the whole thing, Kip says with admiration. I give it a perfect 10. You were fantastic. I thought you were turning into stone, you sputter. Ha, good one, Abby laughs. We were just trying to keep still. We didn't want to start an avalanche while you were up there. Yeah, Kip explains. It's just like with snow. The slightest movement or sound might bring everything tumbling down. That's it. An avalanche. Kip, you're a genius, you exclaim. I am? He is? Abby looks amazed. An avalanche. That's the way to get the shimmering thing down. It will help us. I just know it. And if not, maybe an avalanche can help us get out of this horrible place, you explain. Before they can stop you, you pick up a good-sized rock and throw it as far as you can up the slope. Pieces of rock start to cascade down the rock face. You, Kip, and Abby scramble to the edge of the slope and out of the way. So look, not to, not to belabor the point, but... We've got these, you know, characters who, you know, most of whom are English. They see this glittering object uh, far away and they don't really know what it is, but they're sure it's going to improve their situation. So without any regard for the potential consequences, they pursue that relentlessly. And I think an avalanche is brought down upon them. Now, is that like Brexit? I don't know. It's not for me to say. I agree. I agree. It's a, it's a perfect metaphor for what has actually happened. Pieces of rock start to cascade down the rock face. You, Kip and Abby, scramble to the edge of the slope and out of the way. <laughs> so you just said you, Kip. So you, Kip. Uh, you, Kip, political... yeah. And I mean, Abby, Westminster Abbey, the symbol of, you know, British sovereignty. When the rumbling of the avalanche is done, you brush the dust off your face and glance around. In the light of the full moon, you see a trench in the middle of the hill. It worked, you shout. The avalanche has cleared a path. And look what I found, Kip says. He holds up a shiny metal key. It was right here under a rock. Kip, you're a genius, you say again happily. The three of you make your way up the path, all the way up and over the top of the hill. Off in the distance, you see a cottage. It's that cottage again, you say. Then you have an idea. The key. Maybe it fits the door to that cottage. After walking on all these rocking rocks, the trip to the cottage is easy. No pixies change your path, no sheep stampede, and so far there's no evil knight in sight. Hurry, you call to Kip and Abby. You move quickly and quietly along the dirt road to the cottage. 
When you are a few feet from it, you stop to look at the cottage more carefully. It's a small two-story white house with a thatched roof. A garden of petunias and snapdragons lined the curved stone walkway leading to the heavy wooden door. This seems like something that could feature on your Instagram, Ollie. Don't you think? Oh, like, yeah, very much so. It's, yeah. It sounds like a, uh, a nice Suffolk country home there. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder who lives here, Abby asks. It's quite stylish in an old-fashioned way. She peeks in the windows. It's too dark to see in there, she whispers. I can't see a thing. You knock on the door. There's no answer. You knock harder. Still no answers. Try the key, Kip suggests. You put the silver key in the lock and try to twist your hand. The silver key fits perfectly into the lock, but it won't turn. I don't get it, you say. This key looks like it should go with that lock. No luck. You put the key back in your pocket. You step back from the door to search for another way in. As soon as you move away, the door slowly swings open. Come in. The voice of a very old man invites you from somewhere inside the cottage. I've been waiting for you. Waiting for us, Abby stammers. She peers into the darkened doorway. But I don't see you, Abby says. Come closer, the old man says in a friendly voice. It's been so long since I had some good company. The three of you step into the cottage. The door slams behind you. Um, okay, so this is an interesting one. Ollie, if the slam makes you scream, turn to page 87. If the slam makes you jump, turn to page 105. Are you more of a jumper or a screamer? <laughs> uh, ignore ignore all connotations. We're talking about goosebumps. Um, uh, a jumper. A jumper. jumper. Okay. So okay. So you don't you don't uh, scream when you're getting slammed. Is that fair to say? That is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's been years. <laughs> the loud slam of the door startles you. You jump two feet into the air. When you come back down, the floor beneath you opens up. A trap door! You exclaim. The three of you plunge downward. It seems like you're falling for a while. Then your luck changes. You land on a soft bed covered with brown cloth. Phew, you sigh, catching your breath. I don't know where we are, but I am glad to be away from that old guy. I can't explain it, but his voice really gave me the creeps. I keep telling Abby the same thing. I can't explain it, but her face really gives me the creeps. Don't push your luck, Kip, Abby warns as she whacks him with a piece of brown cloth. What are these anyway, Kip asks. He lifts up the coarse brown sheets that just hit his face. They're monk's robes, Abby answers. See? She puts one over her head. She looks just like a monk in a movie. Okay, fair enough. Cool. You and Kip try them on too, just for fun. What are these doing in the... Because <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> what, are you, what are they doing in this old guy's basement? Shh, Abby hushes you. Listen, the sound of low chanting comes from somewhere above you. Do you think it's the knight in screaming armor, you ask? It sounds more like singing than moaning. You see stone steps in the corner of the basement. We better see what's up there, you whisper. You lead the way up the stone steps. Medieval paintings line the walls. Carved angels hover near the arched ceiling. It's like a castle, you say. It's a monastery, Abby corrects you. Monks probably used to live here centuries ago. Then who's that chanting in the next room, Kip gulps. The chanting grows louder and louder as you enter a large dining room. Long benches are filled with robed figures bent over a narrow wooden table. The figures keep their hooded heads bowed. They chant over their meal. There's no food on the table, Kip whispers loudly. All the figures turn around at once. Oh, Abby lets out a startled cry. The robes are empty. Where their faces should be, there's empty space. They're ghosts. You make a break for the stairs. But you're all alone when you get there. Find out why on page 135. When you get to the stone steps, you look back for Abby and Kip, but they're not there. And then you see them. They're walking over towards the table. What are they doing? Come on, you guys, this way, you shout. But it's too late. 
Their faces are already starting to fade. The chanting grows louder. Now you can hear what they're saying. No bell tolls for us. No bell tolls for us. They chant. Find out what it means on page 41. Kip and Abby didn't notice that you were running out of the dining hall. They don't care. They've reached back to pull their hoods up over their vanishing heads. Now Kip and Abby are chanting too. No bell tolls for us. No bell tolls for us. You race down a different set of stone stairs. A doorway at the bottom leads out into the courtyard. Across the yard is a crumbling bell tower. As you run for it, the chanting monks hurry close behind you. They're not going to let you escape. They want you to join them too. You race up the broken steps to the top of the tower. A rotting rope hangs from a black cast iron bell. There's a kettle full of some bubbling black liquid on the floor. You reach for the bell rope and the ghosts stop in their tracks. They hold their thick sleeves up against their hoods to where their ears would be if they had ears. As terrified as you are of them, they seem frightened of the bell. Should we, Ollie, pull the rope to ring the bell or decide to throw the liquid at them instead? Ooh. Oh. Pull the rope. Let's pull the rope and ring the bell. You pull down on the rotten rope. It breaks off in your hands. No bell tolls for us. No bell tolls for us. The ghostly hooded robed monks chant solemnly. They've made it to the bell tower where you are. Abby and Kip reach their hands out to you. Join us, they drone. Be one with us. No bell tolls for us. No bell tolls for us. Abby, Kip, you plead with them. Don't fade, don't fade. It's no use. Your cousin's faces are getting fainter and fainter. The chanting of the monks echoes in your ear. No bell tolls for us. You know you have to escape from here before it's too late. No bell tolls for us. No bell tolls for us. Kip's and Abby's voices rise above the others. You gaze into their transparent eyes and catch a glimpse of your own reflection. Under the hood of your robe, there's no face at all. No bell tolls for us. No bell tolls for us. You hear yourself say, no bell tolls for us. Face it, Ollie. You're a dead ringer until the end. And that was the night in Screaming Armour. I'm not entirely sure what's just happened. <laughs> it's really it's really quite simple, Ollie. You see, you uncovered a, uh, a monastery full of ghost monks uh, mm. who then made you become a ghost monk. That was, uh, that, was quite a, that was quite a journey we went on. It was. A lot happened in a very short space of time, didn't it? It really did. We had a lot of different scenes, a lot of different settings. I thought the uh, the 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 rocks made of bones or rocks made of people was quite an interesting idea. I'd be a bit pissed off if I were in, in your position when you have monks chanting repeatedly, no bell tolls for us, and then you're given the choice to ring a bell. I think most people would in that situation ring the bell. It seems quite a bit of a... a tease that that was the the choice that ended up yeah. killing you i was trying to be kind to said monks yeah you didn't want to and, i guess boil uh, them alive with hot oil there but uh, maybe well, i just that was assumed the it would be acid or something mm. <laughs> let's not do that uh did you think you would make would enjoy a story like that when you were reading the bumps back in the day yeah definitely i think if i was of that age i mean maybe 
not now maybe i'll stick to the classics <laughs> yeah but yeah absolutely the um the choose your own story it gives mm. you more control doesn't mm. it over kind of what happens i was very glad there was an english because i i would have read these all these choose your own adventures once when i was a kid and you know obviously i didn't redo them and try and get every answer so i would i'd completely forgotten all about this so i was very very glad that there was a an english themed one for our english guest was it reminiscent of england at all Absolutely, 100% accurate. Yeah, you've really got to do something about those, the, the bands of faceless monks that are marauding around the country. But... I know, that they're just bloody everywhere. I Alex, know, I know. Once we get those borders back under control, you know, not, not going to be a problem anymore. <laughs> Ollie, thank you so much for joining us for this, uh, this Give Yourself Gatsy episode of uh, Give Yourself Goosebumps. Where can our listeners find you on the internet? So uh, you can find me on um, the main the main players. So Spotify, uh, Apple, just search the History Emporium and Powers Podcast. I've recently changed my logo. It's um, me with a massive moustache and it's bright <laughs> pink, so you can't you can't miss it. But yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram as well. It's the History Emporium and Powers Plus. I mm-hmm. think find me somewhere on there. But yeah, I just post loads of history content and um, yeah, I've, I do actually have a spooky podcast as well called Macabre Bones, but I need to to pick that back up again. But yeah, we've released a couple of episodes. So what can we you, expect if, from Macabre Bones? What was the content there like? So the idea is that I get people to send me in uh, horror stories or ghost stories that they have experienced themselves or um, that they've heard sort of urban legends like in their area oh cool and and then i and then i read them out loud um and i put loads of sound effects in there as well so my mum texts me actually the first time i released one she was like you made me spill my coffee oh because (laughs) so yeah that's it obviously did what it was meant to do yeah yeah that's lovely the general question uh, what's the what's the last book you read and uh, what's the last movie you really enjoyed oh do you know what i watched a film last night called angelica i believe and it's quite a dark Victorian gothic cinema piece it's very good it's on Netflix well it is here anyway on the in the UK or was it Prime it was one of them and the last book that I read was yeah I've been been reading a lot of books about um colonialism and sort of how how we need to do better Mm. (laughs) so yeah that's that's where I am with that at the moment thank you so much for your time Ollie what are you going to do now I am going to finish my beer and Mm. I'm going to probably watch some more goosebumps fantastic well uh it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on really appreciate you taking the time and dealing with all these technical issues and uh hopefully uh you know we'll we'll stay in touch and maybe have you on the show in future absolutely it's been honestly it's been an honor because I've been listening to your podcast and they genuinely make me laugh. I'm so, so glad um, to hear that. Yeah, it, it's an honour to be part of the show. So thank you. Not a problem at all. Best of luck, Ollie. And uh, remember to stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>